for us. Thank you and may God bless each one of you. After. I do speak English. <laughs> I was wondering if she was there. Uh, this uh, time that we're traveling across the country and visiting various churches, we are, we are going through many old memories. Uh, and one of them is, uh, when did we first come to Gold Country? Actually, um, we had been supported by Walnut Creek Presbyterian Church down in the Bay Area. And Bob and Jane Wareham were leading the missions uh, department there. When he retired and moved up here, then he brought us into the church. So I think it's been about 40 years or so that uh, we have known you all. Back then, you were the new church on the block, and now, <laughs> and now we're being at, at many churches. It's been many, many years. And we've been reminiscing and thinking of uh, Pastor Kundal and the years that we were here, some of the uh, challenges that we have gone through as missionaries serving in Greece, some of the challenges you've gone through here. And we praise God for you. We thank God for the people that pray for us regularly. Uh, I would like to uh, uh, bring your attention to a passage of scripture uh, to read in the beginning. This is Psalm 126, and it's called A Song of Ascents. When the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongue with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev, that's in the, in the desert valley. Uh, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Now, I would be tempted this morning uh, to tell you all the things that we have been doing these last 50 years that we've served in Greece. But basically, uh, that would be wrong because it's what God has been doing. And we have been privileged to be a part of that. Uh, so if we uh, take a look first at this psalm, uh, the first thing we notice, it says a song, a song of ascents. Uh, the, uh, the term ascents has a couple of possible meanings. One is that as they sang this psalm, uh, they sang each verse on uh, a slightly higher key. So it was ascending. Uh, when the Lord brought back the captives to Zion, we were like men who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues would... You know, I won't do the whole thing for you. Uh, but but uh, uh, another explanation, and probably more likely, is that uh, these were songs that were sung on the way to the temple as they were going to worship. And uh, in, in Jerusalem, you always go up to Jerusalem because it's set up on a hill. And the temple was, is the highest point. And so this was, these were the songs of ascent as people were going to worship the Lord. Uh, interesting thing, uh, there are many interesting things about the songs of ascent and about the history of Israel. But most of the songs were written by David or by Solomon during the Golden Age of Israel, which was about 1000 BC. But this particular one, uh, it was written later. Uh, after uh, Solomon, the kingdom was split in two, and many of the kings led the people in uh, idolatry, in uh, uh, sin, and uh, uh, so the Lord brought about the captivity, and for 70 years, uh, the, the, the nation of Judah uh, was held captive in Babylon. And then along came Cyrus, the king of Persia, in 535 B.C., and he made it possible for the Jews to go back to their homeland. After a whole generation, 70 years had passed. 
and uh, they were thinking of how it was back then when, when we had our own worship and our own language and everything. And, and so finally they're going back, and this is a psalm of that time. Uh, and it says we were like people who dreamed. We had to pinch ourselves to, to realize that this was real, that we're finally back home. Uh, we were like children who, who uh, were in a candy shop uh, for the first time uh, after having been hungry for so long. And, and then it says, uh, remember how the Lord brought us. Uh, one of the verses says that the nation said, the Lord has done great things for them. In other words, the whole world knew that God had worked in the Israelite people. And so uh, they knew that uh, God had opened the, the Red Sea and the Israelites had gone through on dry land. They knew that the walls of Jericho had fallen down. And so the nations said the Lord has done great things for them. And there's a very real sense in which God has not just worked in gold country, but God has worked through gold country and the nations are praising God because of you. Think about that. You know, uh, there's a, a witness that is far greater than California because of your faithfulness. So here we are, back in the homeland. And uh, we could go back to when we first went to Greece, back in 1970. We were young and naive. We had a vision. We had a goal of beginning a Bible college. We were part of a team of three missionary couples with Greater Europe Mission. Greater Europe Mission had begun Bible schools throughout Europe. This is... Uh, the European Bible Institute in Lamorlay. We went with that vision uh, for Greece, and the first challenge, of course, was learning the language. Uh, the modern Greek language is not easy. Ancient Greek is even harder, and there are different languages. So if your pastor goes to Greece today, he'd probably not be able to use his knowledge of Greek. Anyway, that's uh, the, the Lord um, used my study time. I went to the University uh, of Athens and uh, followed classes um, at the university and also the, the uh, language uh, center of the uh, university club. But even more important than that was a lady whose name was Vasiliki. And we spent a couple of hours every week uh, working on the language. And so after a period of a year, I preached my first sermon and was able to lead Bible studies and, and, and pray. And we thank God because with the difficulty of learning the language, the Lord did great things for us. And we rejoice in that. We're glad. Um, we arrived when there was a military dictatorship, and nobody knew if it would be possible to begin a Bible college in a country where the state church is the Orthodox Church, which considers that it's the only valid expression of Christianity. We didn't know what the reaction of the state church would be. We didn't know even what the reaction of Protestant churches would be, whether they would embrace us, because many people had gone to Greece to serve and had stolen sheep to begin their own churches, so a lot of the pastors were very suspicious of uh, missionaries coming in. So we, we uh, uh, spent several weeks doing a survey of all the pastors saying what have the missionaries done right, what have they done wrong. Basically the answer was there haven't been any that have stayed long enough to do anything. So anyway, uh, we began uh, classes in the fall of 1973. Evening classes, two nights a week. And uh, God blessed. He did bring young people. Uh, we had some good experiences. Uh, you see the styles are slightly different back then. But anyway, uh, uh, the Lord blessed us with young people who were eager to study the Word of God. The problem is, if you want to do your bachelor's degree in evening classes, it would take you about 10 years. And a lot of young people were interested in serving, uh, in, in learning the Bible uh, full-time. Uh, but we, we praise God because He did great things for us. Now, the second year of classes back in 1974, November 17th, Friday night, um, we heard the riots on the streets below us. 
Americans go home, get out of NATO, uh, and uh, uh, riots that caused the uh, overthrow of the government, literally. And uh, we had to drive through the tears, through the tear gas, through the tanks, uh, and all of that stuff uh, in order to get our students home. Uh, for several weeks, we had to uh, be under strict surveillance by the police. Uh, there were curfews. Um, we had to report our photocopy machine uh, to the police so they know who was uh, sending out propaganda and that kind of thing. Uh, but today, November 17th, is considered a, a big national holiday. It's when those brave students gave their lives in order to bring down the, the military dictatorship and change the government. We thank God because we have gone through the riots. We have gone through some difficulties and God has been faithful to us. Now, when we first arrived in Greece, I had a student visa, uh, but eventually that uh, wears out. So I had to get a, a, another uh, uh, visa. So I went in and applied uh, for a residence permit. And the, uh, um, the duty officer there in the police department said, uh, you, he, he, he interrogated me, he gave me a, a real thorough grilling. And uh, at the end he said, you need to get a work permit not just a residence visa. And uh, I said, yes, but I'm not working in the Greek economy. I'm not taking a salary from the Greek uh, sources. You know, our money is coming from abroad and we're helping the church and we're teaching young people and so forth. No, he said, you need a work permit. So I applied for a work permit, came back a week later to, to get the answer. And the answer was work permit denied. So I said, well, what does that mean? And uh, he says, well, you've been in the country for a month. You have two months to get out. Now we had just bought a house. We had uh, invested our lives. We we went to stay. We didn't go just you know temporarily. And uh, uh, so uh, this was a, a big jolt, a big uh, uh, scare for us. And uh, I I said in my prayer, Lord, if you have called us here and asked us to invest everything we have in this country and this ministry only to pull the rug out from under our feet. We're here for you. And uh, whatever you, you call us to do, we're willing to do that. Um, I, I believe that God doesn't, doesn't call us to make fun of us, uh, but he wants to uh, do his work through us. And uh, so Maria uh, prayed very earnestly um, those few days, and then um, a week later I went back to the, uh, uh, to the police station there was a different duty, duty officer on duty that day. And I said, I think I was misinformed. I think I don't need a work permit. I think I need a residence permit uh, because my money is coming from abroad and, and so forth. He said, well, fill out this affidavit uh, saying what you just told me, and then we'll see what happens. And the answer came back a couple of weeks later, uh, residence permit granted. The Lord did great things for us, and we were glad. And uh, now the, for the last uh, 52 years, we've been... Uh, renewing our residence permit now that Greece is in the European Union because I'm married to a European uh, I get automatic tenure renewal. Oh, I've been waiting for three years for them to finish the paperwork. The Greeks invented bureaucracy. <laughs> so um, uh, at Christmas time all the kids go around a little bit like our Halloween. It's not trick-or-treating. They say, can we sing them? Can we sing them? And the answer, of course, is always yes, sing them, the, the, the Christmas carols. And there's one Christmas carol. It's 17 verses long, and they, you know, it takes forever and ever and ever. Uh, but you always give them uh, a treat. Uh, usually it's money. And uh, so here's this little rosy-cheeked uh, Helen. 
uh, who comes to the door, and Maria gave her a little tract explaining what Christmas is all about. Because even though 97% of the Greeks are members of the Orthodox Church, you ask them, what is Christmas? And, and many of them won't know. And so anyway, here's this little tract. And then he looked up at Maria and said, my mother would love to meet you. Well, we discovered that um, they had three children, the eight, same ages as our children. So we met Christina, and we talked to her about the Lord. We had opportunity over the years. Let me tell you, Greek people uh, don't respond quickly to the gospel because they're already Christians. They're already in the historic church. They have apostolic succession, and we don't. And so the barriers for the average Greek Orthodox person to to find Christ, trust him, to uh, understand the gospel of grace, take a long time. It took Christina 30 years. She would come to ladies' teas. Uh, she loved the social aspects of, uh, but uh, her husband uh, was, uh, if not an agnostic, uh, you know, we would, he loved philosophical debates, so we'd sit down and we'd talk about, uh, you need to trust the Lord and everything. Every time we'd squeeze him into a corner, he'd say, oh, well, that's how the Protestants explain away the Bible. <laughs> and uh, uh, then he would say, you know, how do, how do we know that there even is an afterlife, that there is a God? And, and we would say, you are the Christian and we're the heretics, and you don't even know if there is a God. <laughs> but uh, the Lord worked in the heart of Christina. And uh, over the past five or six years, she's been very faithful coming to the local church that's right in her neighborhood. And she finds this a very uh, great encouragement as she's dealing with a dysfunctional family, all of whom don't want to follow her footsteps, but realize that she's going the right way. So the Lord has done great things for Christina through her daughter, Lenny, who came singing Christmas carols, and we're glad for that. Now, about 10 years ago, one of the pastors in the large church uh, in Athens began, um, uh, he had a, a vision for church planting, and he began uh, several churches, and we had been praying for 30 years for our neighborhood. Uh, we live in an upper middle class neighborhood with about 80,000 people, uh, and the closest church is several miles away. It's a Pentecostal church, very extreme, that doesn't have any relations with any other churches. And uh, uh, so we wanted to be able to take our friends to a place nearby, not take them all the way downtown uh, where, uh, where it would be difficult for them. And so uh, uh, he gathered a group together, a, a core group, and we began praying for about a year uh, to, uh, to begin the church in our neighborhood. We live in a town called Ikea Paraskivi. It's one of the suburbs of Athens. And uh, so uh, back in uh, was it 2014, I guess it was, uh, this began. Uh, and it, it functioned for a year without a pastor. Then they assigned a, a young man to pastor the group. And after two years, he became discouraged. And he gave up. So the message came down to us. The church either has to close or become a house church. We can't afford the rent. We were only using the, the facilities for two hours a week. Uh, and, and, and so those of us who were in the church uh, got together and talked and, and, and said, we don't want this church to close. God is doing a work in Idea Paraskevi. We want it to continue. And uh, so uh, we began uh, uh, having game nights the last Friday night of every month. We'd have a, a potluck dinner after worship. We, we uh, began uh, uh, showing uh, movies uh, one Sunday night a month. And then during the, during the summer, the Greeks are great on the summer cinema, outdoor movies. And uh, so we had those on the, on the roof of the, of the place. And uh, God blessed and, and the church continued. 
but then, of course, the rent was high. And then one day we see a sign in a, in a store that we knew uh, right in our neighborhood. It was for sale. And uh, it's a long story, all the miracles that God worked for us to acquire this property and then uh, to remodel it during the COVID when nothing else was happening, but all of the workers could come in. And uh, uh, there is it's, uh, actually the second floor where you can see the, uh, and it's right on the main street in our town uh, behind a bus stop, uh, visible, and uh, people can, uh, can see it and relate. So it took a lot of work to, uh, to fix it up, but we dedicated it to the Lord. And it's been functioning now uh, that uh, COVID restrictions are lessening. Uh, we're able to, to meet there regularly. And this is what it looks like from the street. God has done great things for us in the church, in the local church in our neighborhood. And we're glad for that. Uh, one of the uh, additional ministries we've had is teaching Greek to uh, a family of Afghan uh, refugees. Uh, and, and so uh, God has used our local church for his glory. Now we came uh, to begin the Bible college. And this was the first year um, class, uh, once we started the residence class, uh, day, day classes full time. Uh, and the, the college has grown from a two year program to a three year program, which is now recognized as being bachelor's equivalent uh, because we have a, a dissertation and a, uh, an internship uh, six weeks during the summer. Uh, um, the first facilities we had were a, an orphanage uh, that had no more orphans, and so we bought this uh, property, and then later on we were able to build our own facilities uh, in one of the suburbs uh, about 10 miles from the, from the heart of Athens. And we thank God for this uh, stability, but there are all kinds of hoops that you have to jump through. Back in 2008, uh, they passed a law. There were many uh, private colleges in Greece None of them were recognized because the Constitution guarantees that only the state university is recognized. And um, uh, under pressure from the European Union, the European Union says you've got 350 private colleges and you don't recognize them. That's not democratic. That's not European. So you have to you have to pass a law permitting these these uh, uh, colleges to exist. So they passed a law so strict that 90% of the private colleges closed because they could not meet the the qualifications, and uh, part of it was financial, part of it was uh, educational, uh, but uh, we did apply, and so we were one of the 41 colleges that were recognized, uh, the only Protestant uh, school in the country, and uh, so we changed the sign from uh, Greek Bible Institute to Greek Bible College. We can officially use that term now, and we were recognized by the Ministry of Education and by the European Evangelical Accrediting Association. Um, then another hoop that we have to jump through. Uh, the uh, city planning uh, draws this map. That's, that's the Bible college facilities. And they say uh, colleges are allowed only in the city center and not in the residential area. You see the problem. Uh, we have a little corner of our property that's in the city center. We had seen the property next door for many years and had wished that we could get it, but it wasn't available and the cost would have been too much. But through a, a, a remarkable series of events, uh, the Lord provided the right money at the right time so we could buy that piece of property and build. So now we have in the city center the classrooms, the library, and the uh, reading, the uh, offices. And all of the rest of the facilities are used as dormitory because the, the law doesn't 
uh, it doesn't apply to restaurants and, and uh, eating facilities, that kind of thing. So uh, we have new facilities and we have the old facilities, all of which are being used. And uh, our student body is running about 40 students per year. We're way down this year because of COVID. Students who were planning on coming didn't know what the future would be. Uh, but we have a good group of students this year and we praise God for them. God has done great things for us and we are filled with joy because of what he, what he did. Uh, this is the uh, uh, depiction of the, uh, the new facility and we see year after year uh, young people going into ministry. I want to tell you a couple of stories. Back in the early 80s, Damon came to the Bible College. He became fascinated with the technique of open-air evangelism uh, taught by open-air campaigners who came down from England uh, using the sketchboard on the street. And uh, uh, we sent him to, uh, to uh, Spain for an internship with open-air campaigners. Uh, and he saw the value of this, this kind of ministry. He returned to his village after he uh, graduated. And uh, a couple of years later, I went back up to see how is Damon using his skills in street evangelism to touch his community. Well, actually, he and his brother-in-law opened a, uh, uh, a souvlaki stand. Uh, souvlaki is kind of the American hot dog, or the, the Greek hot dog. So uh, I'm saying, what is a, a Bible college graduate doing running a hot dog stand. But he says, you don't understand. He says, we come in at five o'clock and light up the fires. And then we serve from seven till 10. About 10 o'clock we begin closing now. And it, there are people in this town that wouldn't be caught dead in an evangelical church. Uh, there's only one in the town and everybody knows it. Uh, but they know that here at the, uh, at, at the hot dog stand, there's somebody who will pray with them, who will give them counsel, who will give them advice. So I'm seeing that Damon has turned a hot dog stand into a counseling center, a place where people can have their, their prayer concerns taken care of. And, and I say, uh, how, how uh, narrow-minded of me was it to not realize that God could use this as a real ministry to reach out and touch people. We have another student those years, um, Theologos was his name, uh, which means theologian. Every Bible school needs a theologian. But when he applied the first time, we thought he's a little bit immature. Uh, he loved rock, rock music. He was into electronics. And, and uh, we just realized he was not quite as mature as we would like to see somebody. He came the following year, and he brought his wife, because they just got married. And uh, they had settled down. And uh, Theo always became a, a, not only a good student, uh, but when he graduated, he and his wife went to Cyprus, her home country. Cyprus is a, is a country island between Greece and, and Egypt, Northern Africa. And uh, they began a radio station. Now, uh, when I went to visit the radio station, I said, oh, this is wonderful that you have a Christian radio station here in Cyprus. He said, what did you say? I, I said, Christian radio station. He said, look, who listens to Christian radio stations? And I said, Christians. And who listens to secular radio stations? And I said, seculars. He said, who are we after? Who are we trying to reach? So Channel 7 in Cyprus is not a Christian radio station. It's the radio station that respects family values. And they're playing Focus on the Family, and they're playing various uh, uh, interviews. Uh, every time I go, he says, sit down, let's do an interview. Uh, let's, uh, 
And so we'll talk about uh, family issues, we'll talk about autism, we'll talk about uh, uh, teenage rebellion, uh, we'll talk about uh, solving problems in the family, you know, whatever. And, and we just kind of ad-lib it, and then he saves it and, and puts it on uh, at various times. And uh, Theologos is a, is a man who has a heart for touching the community. Now, this is the only radio station in the country that actually broadcasts the parliamentary debates. Every Thursday evening, if you want to hear what's happening in Parliament, you can listen to Channel 7. And, and Theologos has the ability to take that microphone and talk to politicians, and they tremble because they know that they're on the record, and they know that this could be very damaging to them. And I'm saying, where are the Theologoses in our own country who are able to stand up to politicians, who are able to take the means that we have available to us and use them to make an impact for the Lord? They give away, I don't know how many hundreds of, of uh, the Jesus uh, DVDs uh, and, and, and Bibles, and uh, they cooperate with all of the other uh, pastors and leaders in the uh, church in Cyprus. Uh, so I, I thank God for the people like Theologos, who in the beginning we say, is this guy ever going to amount to anything? But God has done great things for Theologos, and we are filled with joy. Now, about six months ago, uh, I participated in a time of prayer and discussion with all of the pastors of the Greek Evangelical Church in the Athens area. And uh, we met on the, uh, because of COVID, we met on the roof of the, of the one church. Uh, and I looked around the circle and I counted 13 people in that circle. And of those 13 people, 10 of them, I had students at the Greek Bible College over the years. Now, my wife says, it makes it look like you're patting yourself on the back. Actually, I'm not the only teacher. We have a lot of other teachers and these people's lives have been molded over the years because of their training in the Bible College. But the thing that was exciting to me, as I looked around, I saw three generations. I was the old guy. Then there's the generation of the 40 to 50 year olds who have been pastoring and who have been serving the Lord for the last 20 years. Then there was a, a, a generation of the 25 year olds who are out planting new churches. And, and uh, I, I like to, to like and somebody said to me, uh, uh, aren't you gonna retire and, and, and pass the baton on to somebody else? But the baton in this situation is a little bit like the brass ring and the merry-go-round. You take one out and another one pops up. And every time you go around, there's another one and another one and another one. And so at, uh, at this point, we continue to teach and train young people with the Greek Bible College. It's not just one baton that we pass on to one person. We're raising leaders for the entire uh, country. Now this was the first year uh, class at the Bible College when we had evening classes. And uh, uh, this one lady there, a uh, young lady by the name of uh, Arenti. The word Arenti means virtue. So here's virtue. Uh, this is what she looks like a little later, more recently. Uh, 25 years later, there was a young girl that came to the Bible College and it was Arenti's daughter. And uh, so I had the opportunity of teaching Arati's daughter. Five years ago, there was somebody else showed up by the name of Arati. Her grandmother's name was Arati. Can you guess who she was? I don't know if I'm going to be around for great-grandchildren. <laughs> but it's been a privilege to have children of our graduates and even grandchildren of our graduates come back uh, for the Bible training. Now, um, we uh, really praise God for the way he has opened doors and uh, led us. 
But if I can go back to the verse, to the uh, uh, passage we saw at the beginning, the Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. But then the, uh, the psalm continues, restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the streams in the Negev. Uh, one of the things I'm thinking of is we have gone through some difficulties. Seventy years it was for the Jews in exile. And we've gone through the times that we're not sure about what's going to happen. Uh, the Lord has done great things for you, and the nations know about it. Uh, so uh, sometimes we think nothing's happening, but something is happening, and we don't always know what is happening. It may be like Christina, it took her 30 years to come across. It may be somebody who I thought was going to have a, a fantastic uh, open-air evangelism ministry, and yet he's doing it in a hot dog stand. And, and, and I don't know what your situations are and the people that you are ministering to, but um, the Jews are saying, restore our fortunes, Lord, uh, like streams in the desert valley. Then he goes on and says, those who sow in tears will reap with songs of joy. He who goes out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. So uh, we do have the promise that as we faithfully plow, sow, cultivate, fertilize, prune, trim, water, pick. And we, one person doesn't do it all. Different people are doing those different aspects. Sometimes in Greece, it, it seems like we have a compressor. Uh, you know, we've got uh, to break up the, the concrete soil. But at some point, somebody will come along and, and dump a load of manure, and, uh, and we'll see results ultimately over a period of time. Um, Anyway, he who goes out with weeping, carrying seed to sow, will, re will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with him. Uh, so we need to look forward to that time. We need to remember the past, what God has done for us in the past, because that's a guarantee uh, for the future. Um, now, when uh, probably some of you remember when our kids were young, and uh, they played instruments, and we uh, sang together, and... Uh, uh, we actually did an album of uh, songs we sing as a family of God. Uh, this is what the kids look like now. <laughs> but one of the songs that really impacted us was one written by Bill and Gloria Gaither. Uh, around this verse, they that so in tears shall reap in joy. And uh, I would like to invite you, if you would like to join us in singing as a family of God, uh, this uh, song. Till it seems that your heart will 
Now, just very uh, quickly, uh, let me tell you that we are in a transition period uh, because uh, some of our friends our age have gotten old. And, and uh, uh, a lot of people our age are in retirement. Uh, we're not retiring, but uh, now we're receiving Social Security uh, from the government, which is enough for us to live on this piece. So we're no longer needing missionary support from churches. That's the good news, you can stop supporting the bills. No, you need to continue supporting in prayer. But the, the good news is that you can transfer that support to others who are carrying the baton on and, uh, and continuing the ministry. So we have made some suggestions to the missions, uh, people of the church, uh, as to those who are, are continuing this kind of ministry. Um, we're, we're not retiring. We will continue sending prayer reports and, uh, and, and updates. Uh, but uh, this may be our last time uh, coming. We've done 7,000 miles already with our car and have another 15,000 to go. Uh, we uh, uh, are really enjoying uh, this time of visiting with folks, uh, but we're not sure how many more years we'll be able to uh, pull this off. Uh, but it's a thrill for us to be with you all. Um, I want to invite Maria to, to share. Uh, I don't know what kind of time. Uh, We've got 15 minutes. 15 minutes, okay. Some of you may have questions, uh, but I do want Maria to tell a little bit about the, the Restore. Um, there have been a number of, of ministries that we have participated in um, for a short period of time, and, and one was a, um, a thrift store that we ran for four years. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that? Sure. Some of you remember uh, for Years, no, we had it for four years. It was a second-hand store with clothing and stuff like that. And the purpose was to be able to help women that came out of prostitution that needed jobs and people, young men from drugs. And so we had a young girl who is Romanian and she came to us. She had come to Athens as a teenager, you know, to go away from home and do things on your own. And so our friend said, we have work for you in Athens, like a coffee shop. And she came and so, you know, guess what it was? On the street, she had no people there, no language, no money. So what did she do? She was being used by men, but she didn't stay there very long, thank the Lord. She came out of it and then they brought her to the store. So we had her for three years and we had her like a daughter Andriana is her name, and uh, she loves the Lord, and she had volunteered to go and pray with other women and men for the prostitutes on the street. They didn't want her to go into a home, but eventually she got a job, she studied, she finished high school with us and then studied two more years, and then she wanted to go in and really help other women like herself. and. Uh, she wanted to go full time, but that takes money, you know, to live on if you do that. But she did find another job, but then COVID came, so she didn't have any work. But eventually, you know, God provides in wonderful ways for the needs of the people that trust him. Um, so Adriana, one of the people we recommend, if you pray and God leads you to help her. Um, now the store went for four years. It had good work, but when, the Greek economy went down, then we had to close. People weren't coming to buy. We had wonderful things that the churches gave us, and the prices were good, 
We had a lady that came often, Margarita. She loved you, a good shopper. We liked her to come. Mm -hmm. And her mother lived across the street. She would come to visit her mother and come to the store. And so we would talk to her about, she was Catholic. And so one day we were sitting, and it was kind of like three o'clock. We didn't never close the store. And um, we were talking about spiritual things. And I, under my breath, I said, oh, dear God, let no customer come now until we finish talking. And so we had 40 minutes, and we did share, and she was very touched. And when we finished, she was also thinking the same thing, you know, under her breath. I hope nobody comes so we can stop talking, you know. Anyway, so um, my lady had, a, had two children. One son was away, and another son had a store. And the store was closed, and she gave it lots of stuff to sell at the second head store. But Yanis, John, came to the Lord. I don't remember how but he met her pastor and other younger pastors and talked to him about the Lord and he was born again in a marvelous way. Now he was married, the marriage wasn't good and so they divorced. But John was really doing well spiritually and at the church he is Bob's right hand man and Margarita was able to go on of our volunteers at the store. So both of them are doing well, and we are grateful for that. Um, but during COVID, what do you do? You don't go to church. And you know, I don't have any of you that are older than all the teenagers that know how to do the, the internet. But I learned how to get on Viber and Messenger and some other stuff. And so I had some friends that I wanted to be in touch with. So. Anastasia. Anastasia was a vet, and her husband had a wonderful job up north for several years. But then when he came to Athens to visit the daughter, he slipped, and then he became a quadriplegic. So they had to come down and all that. And um, Anastasia, very orthodox. We met her in church. She came to meet me through a Russian doctor. Don't ask me why, but she did. When we met outside of the church, we right away liked each other, you know. We just, we, were, we became friends. And so I've known her for many, many years. The husband was in bed for 18 years. She took care of him well and everything else. And once he died, then she became sick. You know, she was so worn out. Hasn't been out of the house for over two years. So I thought, how do we do anything? And so I said, why don't we have a Bible set up on the internet? And she said, that would be good. So we did, we did study the Gospel of Mark and 1 Corinthians, and then went to 2 Corinthians. And when we came to 1 Corinthians, she said, now let's learn the 13th chapter by heart. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. She learned it in ancient Greek and I in modern Greek. And so we've had wonderful studies and sometimes we really didn't get along because of our differences. And I did some maybe too powerful things to say that I, that I said I'm sorry, but we are good friends and she writes to me here. And we are very good friends. And I believe Anastasia is coming along. You know why? Because she has a daughter who is in the theater and is in the theater. She's divorced, has a little girl, 
and it's very difficult for her. Her mother prays for her. Why would she pray for her? Not just for job, to come to her senses with God. And I believe this is one way you can tell people who want God in their lives to be more interested. And her daughter, Yeroh, before we left, we knew her a little bit. She called me, she said, Mrs. Maria, when you go to America, do you have somebody that you would help uh, that I could take over? I was shocked. I didn't know her that well, and she wasn't the type of a person. And I said, I do, as a matter of fact. I have a lady, we do all her shopping. Bob pays her bills over the internet. She cannot walk in the basement. They carry her two men with an ambulance to go to the bank and get her money every month. And guess what? This young woman is doing all that better than I even did. And this lady is trusting her. I'm amazed at that because people don't trust each other very much, you know. So that's what happened with Anastasia. Then I had another friend that I met 11 years ago in church. I had never seen her, but every year we send calendars to our friends and neighbors and people we want to have something spiritual. These are calendars that you take and leave every day. You read the little spiritual message, and there's a scripture verse. And so I did send her this all these years. And this time with the poor, I thought, you know, how would we want to study the Bible together? I didn't know where she stood spiritually. She said, that would be nice. But she had no internet, only a phone. I said, we can do it on the phone. We don't have to see each other. I haven't seen her for 11 years. And so Bob had done a Bible study with the women of the Old Testament. And we sent her the booklet with a, with a courier and a little gift. And we did all the women of the Old Testament. It was a wonderful study. And I learned a lot about her. And she loves the Lord. And you know what? She's able to get on church that our daughter and our son-in-law are ministering in Ohio on our phone and not understand how and why. Her English is not that great, but she does understand a lot. Anyway, I don't take more time, but I had a great time during COVID by reaching people over the internet, over the telephone. You don't need a lot. You just need a heart. People that want to learn and for us to give them what we have. I don't know if there are any questions that somebody might have. I'd be glad to try to answer them. Uh, we've been in Greece now for 52 years, and uh, we have participated in a number of ministries. One of the things that we've seen uh, greatly increase in Greece during these years has been trafficking of women. There are people that uh, uh, come from the, the former communist countries. They come to Greece for a better living, and uh, uh, often they're trafficked. Now with the Ukrainian crisis and, and with people coming in from the Middle East, uh, many of them, if they're not protected in some way, uh, are exploited sexually. And so it's a great pro uh, problem. Uh, but there have been several ministries that have been created to deal with this. One of them is Nezoe. And these women actually go out onto the streets. Um, prostitution is legal in Greece. But 90% of what happens is not legal. So uh, they literally go into the, to the red light district and into the homes and are able to talk with the madams and talk with the, uh, 
with the uh, girls themselves and offer uh, help, offer medical help, advice, and offer them the possibility that there is a way out. Uh, now, there are many cultures that are involved. The, the Nigerians oftentimes have given a piece of their uh, hair to the witch doctor, and so they are bound by this vow that they have taken, and so they can't break free. Uh, but uh, one of our uh, uh, former students uh, is involved in this uh, ministry. She speaks five languages and is learning Farsi now so that she can be effective with Afghan and, and uh, Iranian refugees. Um, but she speaks Russian and Romanian and English and Greek and has been uh, helping the police to, um, to, to do rescues of people who have been uh, in that kind of bondage. So we thank God that we have been able to encourage. People ask about the uh, uh, refugee crisis. Um, I have not been involved in the refugee crisis, but we have lots of friends who are, and we have uh, co-workers and uh, students from uh, Bible College who are involved in helping the refugees. Uh, it's a big problem, and uh, it will continue to be a problem because Greece is the closest point on the refugee highway for people who want to come. They don't want to stay in Greece. They want to get on to bigger and better things. Uh, but the European Union is saying the first country that they enter is the country that has to deal with it. So we have tens of thousands of refugees hit in Greece, and maybe a thousand hit Germany, which is much bigger and much more capable of taking care of them. Uh, so it is, a, it is a crisis and a problem. There are many ministries that have begun uh, in order to meet that crisis. The, uh, uh, for 15 years, we had a ministry among Russian-speaking uh, immigrants, and most of the people in the congregation were actually Ukrainians. So we have a number of, of those people who have returned to the Ukraine and some who have left. Um, we don't really know what's happening because the news is not giving you a, a, an accurate picture. Uh, but pray for the whole situation. Um, one of the things that we heard was that there's a thirst for God and a hunger for Bibles, and they, they want Bibles uh, in Ukraine to distribute. And uh, so I went to the, uh, the site of the, the American Bible Society because, uh, you know, it, you, you don't know when you send money where it's going to go and who's going to get it. But we trust the Bible Society. The first flag that came up was uh, Bibles for Ukraine. And so we were able to uh, give it without a big uh, 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 fee, a bank fee for transfer of money and, and that kind of thing. Um, but the Lord knows how to sort out all of our prayers for what's happening. Yes. Yeah, just question, comment. Question. I've been on your, your the uh, Greek Bible College Facebook page, and I noticed that a gentleman in the college had recently passed away. Is there yes. anything we can be praying for? Uh, Jeff Baldwin uh, was the director of the college uh, for about 15 years. Uh, when he was about 50, he contracted uh, prostate cancer, and struggled with it, went through all kinds of uh, things, and just passed away about a month ago. Uh, but seven months ago, he realized he was not going to be able to continue in that position. So he, he approached the faculty, he approached the board, and made a recommendation for a successor as a director, uh, who has been appointed and will take over in June. Uh, we were hoping that there would be six months uh, transfer of, of authority and, and, and stuff, but um, uh, he is very much on board with us. And, and uh, his family, Jeff's family, you know, when you die at 57 and leave behind three children and a wife uh, and a mother, uh, they're all struggling with it. Uh, but God is good and, and uh, uh, we trust him. Yeah. I just want to say that Mary's having a really hard time with wife. wife. Their older son will be getting married probably soon, uh, but he's trying to help his mother. 
Now, Jeff's mother in Chicago and his sister, so we get the news from her. But before seeing all the siblings, one in Australia, one in, in Switzerland, and one in America, and they all went back because she was dying. But they were there and Jeff didn't die. And we were praying for healing, of course, all of us. Um, but his mother couldn't go to see him in the hospital too much, except his wife and the children. But she did go one day, she took his hand and held him and he said, Mother, you taught me to love God and I've done that. We will never separate. We'll be together always. And then she left and she thought, what can I do if I can't see him? So she came back to the States. And after about two weeks, he went to be with the Lord. And she didn't go back. You know, she saw him alive and talked to him. And has those, but she says, it hurts. It hurts a lot that I cannot talk to him anymore. And I can understand. And then, of course, her husband, about 10 years ago, left for the Lord. Now her son. And uh, so you mothers especially understand and fathers. So pray for Mary and for Marion and all the family and all the school this morning and all the community in Greece, the evangelical community knew him and loved him. He was a great speaker and a wonderful man of God. That's it. Thank you. Any other question? I do. Uh, maybe during the service. The most most recent was uh, three weeks ago. I did chapel in two Christian schools in the LA area, and uh, uh, in Greece, uh, just before we came, I was invited to come to a gypsy camp. And uh, uh, the nice thing about magic is that uh, uh, the things that you see impress you sometimes more than words. And uh, so we had a, a good experience. Some years ago, I was invited to a camp. Uh, for Farsi-speaking refugees. Uh, they're refugees from Afghanistan and from uh, Iran. Uh, and I, I got a whole evening. Uh, sometimes they'll ask me to come in and do a 10-minute spot, a 15-minute spot. Doing the whole gospel in 10 minutes is a, a, a real challenge. But anyway, uh, I had the whole evening. And I could set up, so I, I had an hour and a half, two-hour show. Um, one thing after another, and I discovered that there are a lot of things that the Muslims believe that we believe. They believe the Old Testament. So the story of the fall, the story of Noah, the story of uh, Job, you know, these, these things are familiar to them. And uh, uh, then I got into uh, talking about Jesus. Uh, one thing I was careful about is uh, they need to know that Jesus claimed to be God, but I put it in his mouth, not mine. So Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to Allah except through me. Uh, that does make an impact. Um, after, after that show, the, the, the staff of the camp got together and they said, we have never seen a more effective presentation for Muslims of the gospel uh, than this was. So uh, the Lord opens doors from time to time. It's not my full-time job. <laughs> in fact, we've been involved in a number of uh, supportive roles. We helped Campus Crusade at the beginning of their uh, starting and uh, the uh, current director of Child Evangelism Fellowship was one of my students some years ago. Uh, so we have uh, uh, encouraged a number of ministries that are, that are moving forward. I have not found uh, uh, somebody who wants to uh, take uh, magic seriously. Uh, I, you know, everyone wants to learn two tricks. 
Uh, th no, they want to learn how they're done. They don't want to learn how to do them. <laughs> Big difference. So uh, anyway, yes, the answer is yes. Uh, if it's a quick question, would you like to ask? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Oh, is there is a quick trick you can do? As long as it doesn't hurt me. You're going to do it in the service? It is Communion Sunday after all, but yeah. no, I'm uh, Can we pray? We'll, we'll wrap up our time pray with them. And it's uh, Maria and Mary, are the two gals related to Jeffrey? Yes, Marion. Marion. Okay. Yep, thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for all of the good things that you've done for your glory and saving many and equipping many through the college and through the church. We pray that that would continue as as Bob and Maria, as they transition into a new season of ministry and life. And Lord, we do pray for Marion and for Mary as they, as they grieve the loss of their beloved Jeffrey and as the college grieves as well. Lord, we ask that you would comfort hurting hearts and that uh, the, the hope of the resurrection and the promise of eternal life would, uh, would comfort them and help them. And for us as well, Lord, as we consider the cost of following Christ, that uh, not only does it um, uh, cost us our, our very lives, but we, we, gain, uh, we gain the greatest good, which is knowing Christ. And, and even if that means that, that we lose uh, many things in this life, the comforts of American life or um, whatever it may be, Lord, we know that all of that, the loss of all things, is, is nothing compared to knowing Christ. And so we pray for them in Greece that are hurting now and for the, the hills here and for us here as well, Lord would help us to remember that Christ uh, is worth everything and pray that we would live lives, Lord, as we've been encouraged this morning, live lives that are increasingly uh, inclined toward eternity as we consider our great hope in Christ. So thank you for this time. We look forward to what will be shared in the service as well. Uh, again, may we encourage and help our, our brothers and sisters as we uh, welcome them this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you both. Thank you so much. Uh, we have about, uh, that, that clock up there is wrong, so we have 10 minutes now until the service, so you're welcome to uh, spend a little time here, uh, but we'll make our way up. Thank you, Bob Maria. And there are plenty of donuts, I, uh, I believe. Yes. So, grab some donuts. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your name is? Correct. Hey, thank you. That was so helpful and informative, and and uh, I, I was super.